Have you got an IPC coming up? Don't know how to prepare? Maybe it's been a few years or this is your first one. Well, stick around. I'll give you all my top tips to be fully prepared and ready to pass your IPC. First go. G'day everyone, welcome to the very first podcast, episode one, well it's not the first podcast, but it's my first podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Trent Robinson, and it's so great to be here and it's so great to have you join me on this little journey of mine. I've uh, wanted to be doing something like this for so long, keep putting it off, uh, keep making excuses, but here we are, so it's very, very cool. For those that don't know me, I'm uh, based in Darwin in uh, Australia, been a flight instructor for some 23 years and a flight examiner for over 10. I've done charter and flight instruction, uh, consulting work, uh, worked for uh, several major flying schools and charter companies, uh, care flight up here in the Territory. Uh, great mix of turbine, piston, multi, single, aerobatic, formation, uh, love it all. And uh, the real purpose of this podcast uh, series is to give back into the industry and to help you guys. Uh, some of you listening now will be at the very basic uh, level of training. Some will be more advanced. Today's topic, we're going to talk about instrument proficiency checks. Now, you might not be instrument rated or ready for this just yet, but don't go away. The information in here is going to be pretty much applicable to any flight test that you are going to have to deal with sometime in the future. So let's get into it by top tips for getting through an instrument rating proficiency check. Tip number one. This might come as a surprise to some of you, but be prepared. What is in an IPC? You'd be surprised the number of people that show up having no idea what's involved, go, yeah, yep, I just want to book in, and they just fail before we even get off the ground. And there's absolutely no reason for it. The first thing we need to do is what is being assessed? What's in the test? We need to look at the test form. All right, for the IPC, the test form can be found on the CASA website, and you need to go to Forms and search for 61 dash 1512. That's the IPC flight test form. On this form, you'll find all the flight elements, which will include the ground component and the flying component. All right. IPC preparation is more than just learning theory. For those of you uh, that have been doing this for a little while, you'll know that there's IFR cheat sheets and uh, information out there. And this is just one small component of the whole test. All right. But even then, flight test theory can be done really, really poorly. You need to make sure that you are keeping track of what you know, what you don't know. And this can be based on what you're doing from day to day. There's all the little bits that you don't use every day. And this is usually where people come unstuck. All right. So get your hands on a bunch of theory sheets. And what I recommend is do some work now and make notes for yourself. When you find answers, make sure you put the references in so you can go and find it in 12 months' time when you're going to do your next IPC. The Civil Aviation Safety Authority YouTube channel called CASA Briefing has some videos on there that can be useful. Probably the best little playlist that they have is one called CNS 
slash ATM. That's for communication, navigation and surveillance, air traffic management. And it's got some good little refresher information on PBN and ADSB updates that are going on right now. Leading on from that, there's resources on the CASA website and also the Air Services Australia website. Things that I'd recommend looking up, which are usually poorly done, is information on just basics of PBN, performance-based navigation, ADSB. Uh, on the Air Services website, you can find information on flight planning codes. I get a lot of people filling out flight plans, filling out codes, and have no idea what they mean. All right. If you're getting an automatically uh, generated flight plan from uh, Champagne or Flight Planner, Oz Runways, and someone else has set the aircraft up for you, make sure you know what the codes are. And make sure they're relevant to you, your qualifications, and your aircraft. There's no point saying that you can do an ILS approach and indicating that on the flight plan form when you're not rated to do it. Right. After they've done all that, what is the flight being assessed against? What are the standards? All right. If you have a look at the flight test form again, you'll then see all the things that the flight examiner is going to take you through and needs to see you do and assess. What are we assessing against? This is against the Manual of Standards. So in the Manual of Standards, Schedule 8, Table 2, and Table 5. Table 2 is the professional standards. This is all your typical uh, standards that you should have seen in the past, uh, your takeoff and the landing tolerances, your speeds, uh, not above 100 feet plus or minus, that sort of thing. But there's also the multi-engine requirements. When we have an engine failure, if you're doing a multi-engine IPC, when we do engine failures within 20 degrees of heading change, but then once it's under control, five degrees thereafter, your normal heading tolerances. VYSE, best single engine rate of climb speed, minus zero plus five knots. So if you're having an engine failure and a climb, once you've got it under control, you can't be sitting at 20 knots plus VYSE. You'll be out of tolerance and you'll get a fail for that. The other thing is table five. This is one most people miss. As per the regs, there are times where if we do go full scale deflection and we notice it, we can bring the aircraft back. However, for flight tests, half scale deflection is the maximum tolerance limit. You can't go outside half scale. So make sure you're aware of this. So the best thing is all this information is available free online. Just need to know where to go to find it on the Civil Aviation Safety Authority and Air Services Australia websites. If you're not sure, ask somebody, but even better still, if you've got an electronic flight bag, all of this is available on your iPad or your tablet already. Just go to the documents section, you'll find the AIP, the URSA, uh, the plates, everything you need, the manual standards, CEOs, etc. And you can look all this stuff up yourself note down the references and that way when you're having a argument in the pilot room about a particular theory item you can sort it out by just looking it up go straight to the source the number of misconceptions and confusion and questions that i get are really easily solved by just going straight to the document okay moving on to tip number two where are you conducting the flight test you might be doing it at your local airport, but you might have to travel, especially with COVID at the moment. Getting access to aircraft flight examiners uh, in your local area is proving difficult for some. So you might need to move 
somewhere you're unfamiliar with. Now, the test is already stressful enough. Flying an unfamiliar airspace can just add to this. So take the time to find out what is the local airspace. What's the flight route you're going to be on? And what's the airspace it's taking you through? Where are the boundaries? Is it controlled or uncontrolled? Is it military or is it civil? Maybe it's a combination of both. What are the procedures? Do you need training approval? Do you need to book approaches? All these things are stuff you want to get sorted out before you go. Learn the frequencies, have them written down, make notes on your flight plan so that you're not sifting through paperwork trying to figure it out. Tip number three, what are you going to do the test in? Hopefully a suitable twin, but it might not be the twin you're used to flying. A lot of flight schools, you'll typically start in something small like a Seminole, Duchess or the similar, but you may need to do a test in something like a 310 or a Baron or even bigger. The thing to remember here is I, as an examiner, cannot help you with the operation of the aircraft. The requirement is you must be familiar and competent to operate that aeroplane. So the next rule we need to talk about is 61385. Now, this is a topic for another episode. You must be familiar with the aeroplane, its systems, its speeds, its normal and emergency operating procedures. Right, So you'll need to spend some time in it, and this might mean doing a practice flight before the flight test. Once you've done that, you need to understand how the aircraft's going to behave. As I said earlier, we're going to be doing single-engine approaches, missed approaches, for example. What's the blue line? What's VMCA? What's VSSE? Basic multi-theory. What are the climb gradients? How does this aircraft perform? What GPS does it have? What's the avionics? Do you know how to work them? Does it have an autopilot? Do you know how to work that? All right, all things that you need to do. So don't just show up to the aeroplane ready to do the test. Try and get access to it beforehand. Ask for all the manuals, POH, takeoff and landing charts, etc. weight and balance, uh, cockpit photos, so you can start to get a bit of an idea of what's involved. If you do your test with me, I will give you all this information once we uh, book a flight test date so that you can start getting familiar with everything. Tip number four, preparation. The dreaded S word, study. I'm sorry, but it's just going to have to happen. Even I have to do it, so you do too. This is going to be based on how often and how out of practice you are. If you haven't been flying IFR for a while, then you probably need to be looking at doing a fair bit of study, going through old notes, exams, practice exams, anything that's going to get your head back into the books. And then deciding on, do I need to jump in the simulator and do I need some practice flights? Simulator is the best option. If you've got one, use it. It only costs a couple hundred bucks an hour versus five to $1,000, depending on what you're doing your IPC in. This is the time to make the mistakes, to get your head back in the game. Think about your radio calls, your procedures, get your instrument scan back up before you go out into the aeroplane and do it for real. I always recommend at least one sim and one flight. At the very least, do a simulator session. But this usually leaves people vulnerable to things like practicing engine failures. If you haven't done an engine failure for every year, remember that is all part of the test. It's not just the IFR bit. 
So do at least a sim. This could be on a friend simulator. It doesn't even have to be a certified one. If you've got a PC with a joystick or a yoke, get onto it. Practice your scan. Don't put the autopilot on. Use your eyes. Scan the instruments. Get your scan going again. Set the frequencies. Why? Because your eyes move from the instrument panel to somewhere else. And that's usually where then you lose height because you haven't trimmed properly. Got the aircraft set up. This is all going to help you when you go flying. When you do do a practice flight, make sure your instructor takes you through the things that you don't do normally day to day. Engine failures, sector entries and holds, visual circling. Go through the process of the procedures so that you're happy with what needs to be done and the tolerances that apply to it. Tip number five on the day of the test, take your time. There is no rush. If you're used to charter life, then hey, time is money. Rush, 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 get off the ground, get there, get the job done, get back. It's not a charter, it's a test. Take your time. Rushing means mistakes. Use the run at bay if you've got one to do your checks. Brief yourself thoroughly on your multi-engine procedures, your takeoff safety brief, your departure brief. Make sure everything is checked, tuned, identified, tested, and all configured, ready to go. I always recommend be prepared as far ahead as reasonable. Set up each NAVAID for the first time you're going to use it. That might be for the ILS at the end of the flight, but get the NAV frequency all loaded, ready to go for the localizer. Doing things in flight is, again, like I said before, your eyes off the instruments and a chance to lose height or go off track or heading. Anything you can do on the ground will save you messing around in the air, so it's well worth doing. Tip number six, if you've got an aeroplane with an autopilot, then use it. There's this big conspiracy theory out there that examiners fail autopilots. Now, in part, this is true if you're using it too much and over-relying on it, because going back to the manual standards, we need to see that you can maintain a visual scan and maintain altitude and a heading. An autopilot doesn't meet that requirement. So there absolutely needs to be a hands-on component. But you're allowed to fly with the autopilot on. I recommend you do this when you've got your head down. Level off, set the aircraft up, put the autopilot on, monitor it, make sure it's functioning properly. Then you can do your cockpit admin, brief your approach, set up anything else that needs setting up. But make sure you're monitoring it as you do it. However, if you don't know how to use the autopilot, especially if it's a complicated one, I probably recommend it's all too late right now and you're best off hand flying. Trying to get the autopilot to do what you want it to do usually becomes a distraction and ends up in you making a mistake. Okay, and now for my bonus tip, what to do now that you've passed your flight test. Don't let it all go to waste. You've done all this work, you've done all this preparation. Make sure you keep your notes handy, ready for next year. If you've got a simulator, jump in every now and then. Most of them don't cost very much at all. Just to hire for an hour, you can usually get checked out in it. You don't need an instructor and you can log it for currency as long as the STOM allows it. So ask your local flying school and see if if one is available for you. If you're just flying around on charter, it might be VFR, but if you've got a GPS, just pretend you're going to do a GPS approach. Plan the approach. Work through it all and then just do your normal visual approach and land. But if you can fly it, then just follow it through. It doesn't have to be official, but it can help keep your current 
and just get your head in the game of what you're doing. If you're doing an empty leg, you've got to still look outside, but do some instrument scanning, especially when you're doing some turns or descents or climbs. Do them on the instruments. Just get used to flying on instruments again. It will help you in 12 months' time and not be so cold and rusty. If some weather comes along that's a little bit gnarly, make sure you look at it. Pull out the TAF. Plan an arrival time and think about how you'd plan for it. IFR isn't all about flying in happy blue skies. There is going to be weather. It's going to be inters, tempos, thunderstorms, all sorts of things. Low level minimas, low visibility. Even if you're not flying in it, have a think about how you would handle it. This all helps you when the day comes that you are actually presented with this kind of weather. And it could possibly be the first time you've ever done it. All right, so that's it. They're my tips for getting ready for your IPC. I'd have to say the biggest thing I feel to take away from all this is just to take your time and be prepared for all the aspects, not just the IFR theory. If you'd like some help with your IPC, I'm located in Darwin, but I can travel for groups and would love to fly with you. To ask questions, you can find me on Instagram at Trent underscore Robinson underscore aviation on Facebook, or you can email me at info at Trent Robinson Aviation, or one word, .com.au. I really appreciate you listening. If you've got some ideas for future podcasts, please send them through. I'll be doing all sorts of uh, topics, like I said, that'll be uh, applying to everybody. Uh, question and answer sessions as well. And uh, all I want to do is really just yeah, cover anything that you'd like to know about. So please send it through and let me know. I trust you found the information in this podcast helpful. So please subscribe to my channel and do not miss the next episode. Make sure you subscribe and let me know you're out there listening. Thanks again. Until next time, blue skies and safe flying. Cheers. Cheers.